Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Essen. I'm joined by my regular discoursers, Travis Hudson and Andrew Riley. And we're continuing our video game series of our favorite video games throughout the, the generations. And uh, Andrew, what is the next generation that we're talking about today? We are going to be talking about the fifth generation of video games, which is any video game that appeared on the PlayStation, the N64, the Sega Saturn, in arcades or on PC between the years of 1993 and 1998. And we are going to also take some fun time trying to guess people games off of each other's lists. We have categories, and if we can pick something off one of the main categories rather than the worthy of discourse list from one of the others, we'll earn ourselves a pride buck. The current scores for our pride bucks are that Travis has three pride bucks, and Paul and I each have one pride buck. But that's okay, because Travis... I'm Travis winning. Is spotting us. Yeah, you're winning. I'm winning? <laughs> By a big amount, too. You you, cr- you and I had one when we started the fourth generation, but you got both picks right last year. I got none, and Paul got one to catch me up. So that, That's because I knew Paul liked Crystallis. Crystallis. <laughs> that's okay. You have given us the freebie this year, yeah. so we're going to catch you up. Oh, or did I? Maybe I took it off. Getting to our categories, we have most fun with friends, i.e. the multiplayer award. We have best story, or if you want to be highfalutin like Andrew just was before recording, best narrative. Um, we have best music, which I have actually some comments on this time. Uh, we have most memorable, which we're each free to interpret however we want that to be, basically. And then your personal best. My guess for Travis is, drumroll please, Castlevania Symphony of the Night. And before that, I think I had Doom. Does that make sense? I had something written before, and I wanted to see if that was going to be. Uh, also it would have been Doom list. Two this generation. Two, two. No, yeah, Doom. Actually, I think it was all of them: Doom, Doom Two, and Final Doom, or all this. Okay. <laughs> Final Doom. It's like Final <laughs> Fantasy. <laughs> so, Not quite right. So I'm interested in seeing if I would have gotten that right even without the freebie. And for Andrew. Well, I, well, just to just to be sure, are you saying Doom or Doom Two? I I, I will say Doom as my just to see. My actual guess okay. is Castlevania Symphony of the Night. I, I, I understand, but right. since you guessed Castlevania 2 and I said Castlevania, <laughs> we've already had that debate. So. You better not do this to me again. You better not do me dirty <laughs> again. Um, and Andrew, right. Andrew, I feel like, is, is actually almost as much of a freebie here, and I'm sure he's going to prove me wrong because I'm saying Diablo. So it's my turn for guesses. So uh, I'm going to guess Paul first. And I, for Paul, I'm going to guess that on your list somewhere is... Pokemon Puzzle League. I'm not 100% confident in this one, but I know that this was a game that is on the N64 that we all spent a ton of time playing at various points in college, and I think you liked it a lot. And it has sequels that I know that you've played in other ways as well. So I'm going to go with that one, even though Tetris Attack made it on my Worthy of Discourse list for last generation, and it was the true success, uh, predecessor to this particular game. For Travis, the, the freebie is Symphony of the Night, but of course, because it is the freebie, I'm going to toss in a bonus one as well. And I'm going to go with Another sequel, first one, kind of hard decision-making thing. Uh, I'm going to say Tony Hawk 2. Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2. Interesting. But first, I'm going to guess for Paul. I was I was limited because I don't know if you even played PlayStation games at all. <laughs> so um, I went with Super Smash Brothers. is going to be somewhere on your list. And then Andrew. I almost went with Paul's, but I'm not sure it was Diablo. I think it was a later generation that preferred more. So I'm going this generation... I'm going with Pokemon Puzzle League for you. <laughs> awesome. Oh, how the tables have turned. I remember you playing that. Basically, I couldn't put Smash Brothers for both of you, so I kind of <laughs> I flipped the coin to figure out to guess who was who. Why couldn't you? <laughs> I tried to I tried to mix, not duplicate choices. 
All right. And I guess now, Paul, you can kick us off now that we've got our guesses out of the way. Yeah, Real so, and hypothetical. <laughs> I want to I preface this with – I was shocked just how difficult this generation was for me. Um, there are so many uh, great, all-time great games that seem to have come out this generation. I want to ask that, though, because I just – said i think before recording that i had a hard time i had a hard time and i owned both a nintendo 64 and a playstation and i don't think you owned a playstation pro i don't think i never never owned a playstation and so uh, is this this is a pretty strong pc generation for you i'm guessing so it's a combination of pretty strong pc that there's a lot of really great pc games and also a lot of fun nintendo 64 games that i played with my college buddies we you know a lot College was a fun time, and uh, instead of going out to wild frat parties and drinking, I generally stayed home in my dorm room and played video games with friends, and that has a lot of lasting fun memories. I just want to say you're you're welcome for my Nintendo 64 in our dorm room. Oh, well, you're you're welcome for I believe the TV was mine. I don't I can't remember which one of you got gets it, but Super Smash Brothers, Un- yes! undeniable. That is a point for Travis. Um, that was probably. It was definitely a very strong consideration for me as well. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I'll go ahead. I, go ahead. I can understand the Pokemon Puzzle League, and that was definitely a game I played a lot, a lot of fun. Um, but Super Smash Brothers was probably the biggest game of those four years. Played it nonstop. Um, it was a was a blast every time. Never really got tired of it. Um, I bet you if I booted it up right now, it'd still be fun to this day. Just enough skill to uh, to always feel like you're, you can get better and do better and that you're in control but also enough randomness to like not feel too bad when you get completely crushed um and uh just crazy graphics a lot of fun characters a lot of uh different characters too they weren't just all cookie cutter um characters with different skill sets um just a really fun overall game one what's amazing as well first of all one note it's also amazing that the gamecube edition came out basically exactly halfway through our college tenure and we never even thought about switching to it. Yeah. Right? We just stuck with Nintendo 64. But also thinking back, you think about unique characters. It's kind of like skipping over Street Fighter 1. It's kind of the Street Fighter 2 of the Street Fighter series of like, you have those core characters and they've been in every iteration mm-hmm. with slight tweaks and stuff, but they were already unique enough. And yeah, who would have thought back then you could throw Link versus Kirby versus Donkey Kong in a game. Yeah, and I, th- I think history has borne this out. Like, how long has this series gone on? And there's, like, there's these tournaments now and everything, and it's become a huge deal. Um, so clearly, it's not just me and my small group of college friends who this, but it was a lot of people. Basically, 20-plus years has been going on. Yeah, I think another reason why, at least I would have thought it was a better choice for fun with friends, is you guys, like, the two of you and, like, one or two other player people played Pokemon Puzzle League. Everyone played Smash Brothers. Yeah. I was probably the least in Smash Brothers just because I was not as good at it, so I'd get for with edge guarding and such. <laughs> so, yeah. But even I, even I would play it. So yeah, even other people who I think I, I can't even remember any other games they necessarily played would occasionally step in and, and play Smash Brothers. It was something that, um, yeah, it, it reached across you know lines of the the, the hardcore gamers could play with the, the casual gamers and just a lot of fun. And I can't even cal- come close to calculating how many hours I've played that game. How many points did it knock off of our GPA? <laughs> uh, enough. Yeah. Too much, <laughs> probably. Well, I mean, to, to this point, I can remember, uh, and I'll, I'll just jump in here because Smash Brothers is my most uh, fun with friends game as well. Darn it is the, <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry, Travis. <laughs> that means Pokemon Puzzle League is not making the list for, yeah, for me Yeah, because it, does, it doesn't fall in any other category but fun with friends. 
And, and Pokemon Puzzle League is amazingly story? fun with friends. It's a great game. Best story. <laughs> I am very happy to see you, Ash. So I, I remember completing a, a, an assignment or completing a test and then, you know, coming over to the dorm room with you guys and, all right, what's my lunch break? We're playing Smash Brothers. Let's go. 1v1 me. And it would be nonstop. And I got to be pretty good at that game because we stunk a lot of hours into it. And I also remember going and playing it with a group of other people who really thought they were pretty good at this game because they all like playing it. And I absolutely destroyed them because they hadn't put nearly the number of hours into it that I had. And they just couldn't. So I was like, you know, I think Yoshi was probably my least effective character. I was like, I think Yoshi's my least character, uh, least good character. But I tell you, you guys tell me which character you want me to play and I'll play. And I beat them 10 rounds in a row. Wow. It was not even close. Yeah. So, and you guys, I would struggle with from time to time. I got to be pretty good by the end, I think. I was in the top tier, but... Our, you, Paul, and some of our other friends, we were always in competition where we were continuing to get better towards the end. So yeah, there was a high skill cap in this game, despite the fact that it did have that fun randomness because you could be really focused in on your Link B Yoshi battle right at the edge, and all of a sudden here comes Ness flying across and his rocket, and he's gotten you all knocked away, and it's like, what? I didn't see that coming. How am I supposed to protect against that? Or a random item shows up, and it was all customizable. You don't want to play with items? Turn them off. You don't want to play with this item? Turn it off. It had a formula, a basic idea, simple concepts and executions, different character moves, and it all just worked so well. And they retained a lot of that moving forward into the GameCube edition, which we didn't move forward to, and to new editions now. But for sheer simplicity and success, none of those are as good in my mind as the original Smash Brothers. And the, the levels were unique as well. I mean, who, the Star Fox is, I can't remember his ship, but like the ship was, was definitely a different beast with the, the sheer length of it. And then you have like the lava of the, the lava level, the clouds. I mean, everything had its own unique little uh, thing that made it very different. And I'm curious. So Travis, I think you were, your favorite character was, was Star Fox. Am I remembering that correctly? At least in theory, that was the one I liked playing as the most. No, I, again, I was I was definitely in the the lower tier, if not the bottom rung, in the skill tree. Uh, and still, probably made you better than most people who actually played the game because we when you played against us, you had to be at least somewhat good, otherwise you were going to get destroyed, and you never got completely destroyed. A a Andrew, were you Kirby? I can't remember. Yeah, Kirby was my main. Okay, and and like you mentioned, Link was was definitely my main go-to. Yeah. Now, what's interesting is, and I know this is again, I keep talking about Switch games, but. This is relevant to this time because I played unlike the previous time. Super Super Smash Brothers um, Ultimate, and it's interesting because there's multiple characters, multiple versions of the same character sometimes. Hmm. So since Link, there's Link, there's Toon Link, there's Young Link. Maybe that's it. And I actually like Young Link, I think because he is closer to the Link from this game, while as main Link is more like a Breath of the Wildish type Link, like he throws. He has bombs and stuff, like, or different types of bombs. I can't remember if Link threw bombs in this game or not. I think but. he did, yeah. It wasn't one of his better moves, yeah. but yeah. Uh, but I think like his up B, I think the young Link's up B is much more like this than whatever it is. Game. But anyway, I'll stop talking about I, those generations. <laughs> I want to finish off my uh, comment on Super Smash Bros. being the best game of the uh, generation for multiplayer with this caveat, which is that the N64, despite its awful controller, had the best multiplayer fun with friends on the couch games of any generation that I can think of because it not only had Super Smash Brothers and Pokemon Puzzle League two games we've already mentioned here are you about but, to steal my thunder uh, am I okay <laughs> I don't I'll know. shut up let, let, I'll come back to them because I'm going to come back to these as perhaps worthy of discourse ones just okay. to run through them but that is the 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 murderer's row that this uh, generation this console had for fun with friends was incredible well 
and before I get before I mention my game, it's because it had four controller ports built in. Like as much as Nintendo was kind of a solo players game, like on Nintendo and Super Nintendo, you know, it was a, it was like that's where you went to play role playing games or Mario games or Zelda games or whatever like that. And and there were multiplayer games, sure, and they had multi taps and stuff, but like they had the foresight to put four controller ports built into the console, and I, as far as I know, that hadn't been done before. I mean, it's nowadays everything's wireless, so you don't even have to have controller ports. So, but back then that was like a brand new thing. And and four, which is four why, players yes. was the perfect number for Smash Brothers too. I, I think Andrew touched on it, but like you you, you really needed to have more oh. than two players to, to make that chaos kind of work. Yeah. And also four players is the perfect, you can divide the screen in four for a shooter. Like you don't want to, you can't, you just, you can't divide it. Processing power wise, you couldn't divide it. Um, which was all, which was related to almost one of the games I picked for fun with friends. But the one I picked for fun with friends is I'm sure one that Andrew was about to say is the new Tetris. Yep. That was on the list. Yeah. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Cause that, I didn't play puzzle league. Like I said, I was not that good at smash brothers, but the new Tetris was so much fun and fundamentally changed how I play Tetris. Like building the gold blocks and the the multi blocks and mono blocks. They weren't yeah, multi blocks and mono blocks for, for people that know I mean, that's the only game I think that that's been a thing as well. Like it it doesn't you don't get bonus points for building your blocks like that in any other version of Tetris that I know of. But it's such an effective strategy of how to play Tetris. Like when I play Tetris ninety nine, I know a switch game, but <laughs> like when I play Tetris ninety nine, that's why I play it and like I was consistently getting in like the top at least 15 like from from the jump of playing that game even if you're not playing tetris for umpteen years so it's a it's an incredibly effective way of playing but also just yeah it was that game was so much fun to fire up and play four player or even just even just compete on your best marathon time as a marathon of sprint times or whichever one was time but yeah just the number of modes and the the memory i have of that game also not enough to be most memorable but two related memories here was Originally, I had bought Super Mario Party. We all played it. We were like, this game is terrible. <laughs> we went back to the mall. We got new Tetris, and we brought it. And the rest story, is history. You know, the, the rest is history. But I think the day we went to um, re- exchange it was the day before homecoming. So we blew off a class, like a big comp sci lecture class. And of course, that was the day that the teacher decided to give a quiz. I think because she knew a lot of people were going to skip the day before <laughs> homecoming. So of course, this teacher gives a quiz. It was like the first quiz I'd ever missed in my entire academic life because it was freshman year, I think, probably. I was like, no, but whatever, I have Tetris. All right, <laughs> I can miss one quiz. <laughs> it doesn't matter, got Tetris. I, yeah, I, I, I probably got more out of life having that game of Tetris than missing that that one quiz. So, oh, you almost certainly yeah, did. In so. retrospect, you'd do the same thing again, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I could definitely see that being frustrating at the time. You have your priorities. But, yeah, New yeah. Tetris was another another great game for us playing in there in the dorm. And again, people got to be insanely good at it and and pulled on. It definitely changed how I thought about Tetris because you know when I played Tetris and talked about Tetris two generations ago. It was all about clearing lines, and you know I'm clearing one line at a time, two lines at a time, and occasionally, rarely would I fire off a Tetris. So I wasn't min-maxing that game at all. But playing it competitively and trying to get these, you know, mono blocks and combo blocks going, whatever the second block combo was, it absolutely changed how I thought about Tetris and made me a much better, much better Tetris player. Exactly like what you're saying, Travis. It was a great game for me, and I'm glad that was there for me. So thank you for blowing mm-hmm. off that quiz for me. Oh, and there was one more, um, and this isn't a multiplayer memory, but I don't know if Paul remembers this, but there's one time where, like, I had a, you know, you, there's the 
thing about dreaming about Tetris. Like you play Tetris enough and you see it everywhere. Like, but I was asleep and I woke up. I was like, oh, I have a new block, like a new way to make a mono block or something like that. And I'm pretty sure I woke you up, Paul. <laughs> and we turned it on and we 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 kept dropping blocks until like the sequence came up that I could try to, to try it out. And I tried it. I was like, it actually works or something. But yeah, like I don't know if spin moves were a thing before this game either. It just seems like this game had so much. Maybe they weren't new to the series, but it was when I got introduced to all of them. Spin moves. It definitely introduced them something and and brought them all together in a package that was very approachable. I don't remember them before any of that, and some of them are standard in Tetris now and change how the game is played. Without a spin move, you can't do some of the things, and they do change how Tetris works because you go back to the old Tetris, you try and do a a spin move on your Game Boy, and you die. (laughs) (laughs) I I think that's one annoying thing about tetris 99 is that i it has like a very specific t block spin but that's it it doesn't have just a generic spin block move i'm like what the what the hell is this but i i'm so used to playing with that at this point that i had to adjust to playing without it yeah i mean i mentioned early at the very beginning that this is a super tough year for me because there were so many great games and to that point i had uh eight games on my worthy of discourse list and i was desperately hoping that some of you would cross them off so that i'd be able to fit into my limit and new tetris was one of them because yeah if there was any game that came close to competing for the amount of time i spent in college playing it it was new tetris and uh interestingly enough it wasn't always multiplayer like yes um there was a lot of multiplayer playing but it was a lot of also like hey this person's got the high score in sprint so i'm gonna sit here for like two hours during my between classes and just play it by myself trying to beat that score so it was it was competitive and in some ways almost multiplayer but in also kind of in a solo way as well it was an arcade mentality you see that high score list and you're like hey i want to be at the top of that list or i was and who's this schmuck that just knocked me off (laughs) who's poop slag and it (laughs) (laughs) who let him into the dorm room um i know it's a cheat to mention it now, but instead of waiting for discourse, but another one of the close runners up, but I don't think you guys played it with me, but so it was probably not a close runner up, but was Star Fox 64. I love playing that game multiplayer. Um, so I think we've waxed poetic enough about multiplayer. We can move on to best story. Best story. Okay. So this one is probably going to require a little bit of explaining, but I think I, I can make a good case for it. And it is Starcraft. Um, if you've played, Starcraft is well-known for its multiplayer. It's it kind of kicked off the whole eSports thing. But to me, um, in, in a lot of ways, and, and I enjoyed the hell out of the multiplayer, and I obviously I considered it for most fun with friends. But to me, um, one of the incredible things about Starcraft was its story. Uh, if you've played the single-player campaign, you know that pretty early on, uh, you, there's three races. You play as Terrans, uh, Zerg, and Protoss in that order. And early on in the Terran campaign, one of your main hero characters, Sarah Kerrigan, who I was expecting to be one of the the main heroes all throughout. Spoilers. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Sorry. (laughs) You're you're absolutely right. Well, I can't really describe this very well without that. But let's just say. (laughs) No, it's fine. Somebody has something bad happen to them. But that's just the beginning of the story, though, because um, uh, I guess, spoiler alert. And in the process becomes, uh, in some ways, in my opinion, one of the most memorable uh, video game villains uh, and and most complex video game villains, uh, definitely of this generation and maybe of all time. And I've seen plenty of ink spilled about how she's one of the 
um, uh, most complex and compelling female video game villains uh, because oftentimes you have like the, the video game villains are one-dimensional Dr. Wily types or something like that. Um, and so uh, there's a lot of stuff going on and it's a lot of stuff in the universe that changes in StarCraft as you're playing through the three different races. And I remember constantly b- being kept on my toes every si- every single game I played. I'm like, oh, what, what kind of betrayal or, or twist is going to happen next? And it was uh, very compelling. It's it's something that to this day I still wish they would make a StarCraft movie because I think it'd be a very uh, the no, story you, is no, that you, good. No, you don't. <laughs> well, it, it would okay. be terrible. That's true. If it weren't for the video game curse, <laughs> I would totally wish for a StarCraft movie. Um, one question would be, and this might be a recurring theme for other PC games, and apparently it just snuck in December nineteen ninety eight. Are you including Brood War uh, as part of StarCraft or just StarCraft? So. For this thing, I think StarCraft on its stands on its own. But okay, I'm but, just asking. But right. Brood War, is, yes, Brood War is, a, is probably one of the best expansions of all time in terms now of is that, content. Is that Kerrigan on the cover? Yes, of, of Brood War. Okay. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, if I know what you're, yeah. yeah, if I know the cover you're talking about. Um, I never finished StarCraft. Oh my god, that's that's <laughs> blasphemy. I'm sorry. Uh, I came for the multiplayer. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, Brood War is is great. Um, in, in some ways, I feel like uh, the first StarCraft by itself is is almost a a better. It, it's it's a more self contained, better story. Like it, it almost the story in Brood War is is fine. It's good, but um, not quite reaching the same heights as StarCraft. It's also interesting that they didn't intertwine them, right? Like you said, you played the Terrans, then you played the Zerg, then you played the Protoss, as opposed to like you play a level as the Terrans and then the Zerg and mm-hmm. then the Protoss. And like it's not they're not intertwined. Yes, you're fighting the other races when you are the other races, but like, right? It's it. The stories are absolutely intertwined with each other, but you play all the Terran okay. missions first, then you play all the Zerg missions. Oh, so they take, they're like at the same. It's, it's like Rashomon, like you're no playing. No, okay. no, no. It is actually chronologically Terran missions happen first, then right. the Zerg missions happen, okay. then the Protoss missions happen, and the reason why that that works is that. StarCraft employs, because, let me just jump in, Paul, sorry, StarCraft is also my favorite narrative, my best narrative for this generation, great, so... Great this minds just apparently think alike. Stop, stop. You, you said StarCraft, and I'm like, hands my, uh, head I in my face I saw that, I'm like, what's wrong with my, my answer of StarCraft? I think this is a pretty... I can make your a pretty your answer is that you need to stop cribbing my notes and going first. <laughs> <laughs> StarCraft's story is fantastic, and it, one of the reasons why it is fantastic is because of this thing that we're talking about, where it's chrono- chronologically... Terran, then Zerg, then Protoss. But the missions are set up that you sometimes will have the other races as an ally. So sometimes you're Terran and you have a Zerg ally. And sometimes you're Protoss and you have... uh, Sometimes you're Terran and you have your Protoss ally. Because all three races are fighting each other and it is really a fight to the death. All three races want to kill each other completely. But sometimes, you know, you'll work with your enemy against your other enemy for the common good. The enemy of my friend. It is fantastic politics, and it's really interesting as you're talking about Kerrigan as this female villain. I'm not 100% convinced that the Zerg and Kerrigan are the villains. They're operating on biological imperative and trying to survive and expand, and their own um, genetic code trying to tell them to expand and expand the DNA code coming from the progenitors, getting way deep into their story there. But yes, this story is great. It is quality science fiction writing that could have been a book, that could have been a movie, 
and is a video game instead. And the way that they are actually able to tell it and expand on it and allow you to experience it through gameplay, where you're making gameplay mechanical choices that seem to be impacting the story in some level, but ultimately still getting to the end point, makes you more invested in it. This is game video game storytelling at its absolute best. Yeah, I think, and that's a great point that I should have touched on, is that um, the the nuance um, is is very interesting in this because yes you're absolutely right Kerrigan and the Zerg are not I mean yes they're often viewed as the villain but they're they're rational like it, it makes sense they're not just evil for the sake of evil they have their motivations and usually most most players will come away thinking they're 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 the wrong motivations and they should be stopped but yes to your point it's a shade of gray and the humans who most people would think are the, are the heroes, especially at the onset, they're largely a pretty mixed bag and a, a shade of gray themselves. There's some... Arcturus Mengsk is a much bigger villain yeah. than yeah. Kerrigan. Like the, 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 probably the most hated character in, in all of it is Arcturus Mengsk. And the, the, he is such a good and, villain. And the Protoss have their, share fair, their fair share of, um, I, I wouldn't necessarily say villains, but definitely bureaucrats who are getting in the way that you want, that you hate and want to get rid of, right? Like, there's just a lot of politics going around, a lot of shades of Factional gray. infighting that you actually start to care about. Exactly, yeah. It's, 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 really, it's really good stuff. So, yeah. And it's, then that is on top of just phenomenal gameplay, solid music, solid interactions, and, of course, the world-class, professional-level gaming multiplayer. It is, without a doubt, just an amazing game. But it has the story underpinning it all, which makes the single player experience so good and makes you worth this position in the list. Yeah, I mean this is this is how hard this year was, is that I could conceivably have put StarCraft for almost every category and made a very compelling case for it. Um and it, to this day I consider it one of my favorite games of all time. And yet it didn't it just quote unquote got best story. Alright, maybe if I had finished StarCraft it would have been able to be my top story. But since I never finished it as many RPGs as there were in this generation, like I don't, I don't actually remember many of their stories. I remember playing all of them, but like none of them, none of their stories stuck out. Nothing on Nintendo sixty four necessarily stuck out as a good story, but I did wind up going with Metal Gear Solid, which is more. It's more. I don't. I couldn't tell you necessarily the overarching plot or anything like that, but it's more that this was the first time I felt like I was playing a movie. like from the opening sequence and like. It actually comes up, you know, Metal Gear, like at some point, like, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 minutes into the game, the title finally comes on the screen and I'm like, whoa, this is like a movie. Like, and it was the first time, I think, I don't remember when I'd played some other PlayStation games, but like, you know, cutscenes like that style FMVs were just coming into vogue at that time. But like, and then the but then the characters. There's like certain there's moments in the game that I remember the most of like fighting Psychomantis and him like telling me you like Castlevania. <gasps> How do you know that type of thing? like that's not actually a story, but like it's something that's I'll remember that moment forever. And like reversing the controls, so it either had to put the controller upside down or plug it into the second controller part, something like that. And like just all the boss fights are so memorable. Sniper Wolf and Vulcan Revan. Um, ocelot who's like shooting you with an actual revolver just all the characters are memorable and you're the final battles with liquid snake and toss in like your conversations with the colonel and there are some politics the politics come way more metal gear solid 2 but that's next generation um but yeah just i had a, i struggled with coming up with a story for this one without without the rpgs being like i said they weren't as strong story-wise for me they were stronger probably character um gameplay wise for me but yeah and like Nothing on Nintendo 
64 had a good story when I went back and looked. I was like, man, this is not a good this is not a good Nintendo generation for telling stories. Apparently, gotta play more um, PC games. Yeah, PC, my, the PC I mean, games definitely had the better stories for sure. But the PC games I was playing at the time probably like I I like I said I didn't finish StarCraft so maybe but like even that I played the RTSs for the multiplayer right I played Warcraft two almost exclusively multiplayer and like first person shooters were all multiplayer so I wasn't really there for the story too much I don't know something like Civ two doesn't really have a story besides make of it yourself sorry for such a lackluster pick on my part kind of in my own opinion but Metal Gear Solid's my my pick for best that's story. okay it must be intimidating going up against Andrew and I when we agree on everything. Now, this has been disappointing. <laughs> Interestingly, in my notes, my, my runner-up was Final Fantasy VIII. Because Final I do, Fantasy VIII I, has a batshit insane story. I love it. Yeah, but it, that story is nuts. But I hated the game. Like, out of the, <laughs> the, three, on, out of the three main Final Fantasies on PlayStation, that was my least... I never... I don't think I ever finished it. It was four <laughs> discs long, and I think I was like, I finally got the disc three at some point. I was like, I just don't care enough. Like, I wanted to finish the story, but I was like, I want them to just make a movie or something with these characters. I don't want to keep playing this game because the whole stupid, like, you have to steal magic from the enemies. The junction system is definitely controversial. Yeah. Yeah. But it's interesting because Final Fantasy VIII is my favorite Final Fantasy between 7, 8, and 9. Hmm. Interesting. Well, we'll delve into some of these maybe on other categories. (laughs) We'll see. Foreshadowing or not. Um, All right. Let's go on to the best music category. Which is interesting because my note here is that since this is the first generation, console-wise at least, where we had access to CD-quality music. No more chip, no more chiptunes exclusive at this point. And I'm not going to take advantage of that at all. <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm going to guess this is going to surprise some people because I, I would never consider this to be one of my favorite games of all time. And, but, but whatever, it doesn't have to be. It's best music, right? And so I'm going to go with Diablo. And the reason is because it is... By far, when looking over all these games, it had the most memorable music to me. And it contributed so much to me to the atmosphere of this game. And in some ways, I would almost argue, is the most memorable aspect of this game. I know that's probably going to drive Andrew insane. But I have such clear memories of the the music when you're in the town. And just it, just it kind of evoking this sense of like foreboding dread and like... You're safe here, but for how long? And what's out there? And when you first enter that first catacomb where the, the butcher is waiting for you at the end and just like the, I, I don't even know how to describe it. It's, it's not even really music. It's, it's almost like this chanting and, and atmospheric sounds that just, you know, you're in for like, you, you, you feel like you're entering like the realms of hell, which is, it was just so perfect for the game. And um, I, I think the music did a better job than anything else the graphics the the cinematics it was the perfect example of that blizzard polish where um, if the music was anything less than stellar i think diablo would have been a much less impactful game for me and uh, i would have probably just popped it in played it a little bit and been like eh, it's not for me and kind of kind of put it aside but because it, it was such an experience um, the entire time that it, it, it was undeniable to me that this was the best music of the generation. The Tristram theme, uh, the, the, the town is called Tristram, and the theme that you hear in town is the Tristram theme, and it is iconic. It is one of the most well-known songs in all of video games, I would say, because it has been used and mocked in a variety of formats and other games like it, and it is really, really a big deal. So I don't think that's 
too much of a stretch to say that song, at least, is uh, the reason why Diablo was partially successful. But the sound design throughout, it's not just the music, but the, the bones hitting, the, the gold clinking on the floor, those aren't music, but that is sound design, and that is a huge part of why Diablo was so successful, because it felt visceral and real as you went down. And I suspect there's something to, to your point about the sound design, like, it, I, it has to kind of evoke somewhat of the slot machine mentality, right? Like, the, the, the game design itself is that you play it to try and you're hoping that that next drop will have that legendary item or that that super rare helm or, or the the ring that will complete the set that you need and and those sounds the sounds of um I think it, they they had gems in the first Diablo right the diamonds and rubies and sapphires and stuff M- maybe not but I I feel like I don't think so I think that was an introduction in Diablo maybe too. rings something had a distinctive sound rings okay, rings yeah rings and gold definitely sound very particular yeah and way. I remember you when you hear that ring drop you're like oh man because rings always felt a little rarer and a little bit more powerful and so anytime you heard a ring drop it was like oh crap I need to pick that up and where is it where is it where is it especially, especially in multiplayer when all the other jerks are looking for it too. yeah and so yeah um, sound design definitely played a role as well so Andrew, now you need to talk about how you picked Diablo for best music as well. This is where you step in. I did not pick Diablo for best Blasphemy. music. For best music, I picked Parasite Eve. Ah, Never played it. Yeah. So Parasite Eve is is one of those RPGs that Travis was sort of talking about. It's sort of a forgotten RPG to a certain extent. Yep. It's um, a pretty decent one. Another Square classic. Um, but it really pushed some boundaries for me where I wasn't as comfortable with it, and it, it caused me to reevaluate where I was with uh, RPGs at the time. But it also I complained last generation a little bit about lack of innovation in RPGs, and this was one where they were trying to innovate. So it's a modern-era RPG. You're a police officer in 1990s New York City, and you're fighting against the supernatural, and you are leveling up as you pull out your gun and shoot bad guys who happen to be uh, supernatural monsters controlled by Parasite Eve. Uh, and saying they're supernatural monsters is, is a little bit much, but they are monstrous creatures with supernatural powers because they are emboldened with kinetic energy because of their mitochondrial DNA, which it's it's parasite It's a Japanese video game in the end. The story doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It's magic in the new world without having to say it's magics, right? So It's midichlorians. I was going to say. It's midichlorians. It's literally midichlorians. <laughs> it flows through us. Midichlorians and mitochondrial DNA have a lot in common, <laughs> and for good reason. Um, so... I'm not going to praise Parasite E for being this amazing story. It's fine. The graphics are very solid, but the music is what sells this game. There are themes that are just so powerful and responsive to the immersion aspect of the game. So you, you go into one area and it's, it's going to be high intensity and Furnace starts playing and it's like, oh my gosh, this, this is great. It's one of the few video game soundtracks that I spent extra time trying to find at that point because I've been playing it and then I got to college and we had access to all this wonderful music finally. It's like, yes, Parasite E soundtrack, it's mine now. And that doesn't happen except for also games like Final Fantasy. And even then Final Fantasy VII and Final Fantasy VIII were not as compelling to me, even though Nobuo Uematsu is a fantastic composer. I thought that Parasite Eve's soundtrack stands better alone and does a better job of immersing you in the game for the most part. Yeah, I want this game to be released on well, Nintendo Switch. The only modern console I have. Since that's the only console I have, yes. But even on Steam, like, I mean, Chrono Trigger is on Steam, I just found out. Like, why can't they release Parasite Eve? Cause it's fallen off the face of the planet. People yeah. don't even remember this game existed, but it was really, really good. Because I talk about games I never finished. Like, I, I don't know how many discs that was. I rented it, I think, so I... There's no way you finish an RPG when you rent it unless you just pay late fees. 
Um, although I guess with memory cards, you could actually be finishing them. But yeah, I only vaguely recall the music, but yeah, I, I remember bits and pieces. Of it. No, I still own my copy because my parents bought it for me for a birthday yeah. present. Well, I might. Um, hey, that, that's funny because isn't the sequel called like the birthday party like that? I have no recollection of that. I, I know there's a sequel, but I never played it, so. Yeah, I think it's called The Third Bird or something like that. I might have to borrow that from Do you have a PlayStation, original PlayStation? No, I'm talking about the soundtrack. Oh, oh, oh. No. I, going through this generation, I'm like, man, I wish I had kept my PlayStation on my Nintendo 64 and, like, had some of these games around. So, my pick for here, I, I was going to call an Audible, but I'll go with my, actually, original pick. It also allows me to not do, um, because I'm going to, I wasn't as impressed listening to it on its own. So this brought up the question of like, is best game music something that you necessarily can listen to by itself without the game? Like we, you know, anybody can hum the Mario brothers or Zelda, or if you're a Mega Man fan, the Mega Man song, or is it something that is perfectly tuned to the game it's in? Like talking to the sound design type of thing. Like, so the, the music I, I, I'll go ahead and pick this is Quake. Hmm. Because it's so perfectly tuned to it. First of all, it was Nine Inch Nails. So back then, I was like, oh, Nine Inch Nails is doing a video game soundtrack. And, like, there's a gun that shoots nails? Oh, my God. <laughs> but, like, it it works in the context of the game. Like, it, to Paul's point about sounding like you're going into hell in Diablo, like, it feels like you're in hell in Quake, even more so than any of the Doom games did with their music. I was going to say, are you supposed to be in hell in Quake? I thought that was a Doom thing. I don't know where you're supposed to be in Quake, honestly. <laughs> but there's a gun that shoots nails. <laughs> Are they nine inches nine long? Inch, nine uh, inch nails. I see where you're going. I don't know. But like, but I did listen, I listened to the soundtrack on its own. And it's the nine inch nails, like, if you like their Ghosts album, which I, I know Paul has no idea what I'm talking about. I don't know if Andrew's listened to their Ghosts albums. It, it There's no vocals, obviously. It's a video game. I guess video game soundtracks could have vocals, but most of them do not. Um... So this is very, it's very atmospheric. You can tell it's a video game because it is somewhat repetitive. If you just, again, if you're just listening to it, it, it's not the greatest. But like my, my audio sensory memories of that music in the game. And there might've been something like dynamic in the game where it would crank it up or something in a, in a dramatic situation or something like that, or switch to a different track. I, again, I, I don't know. I don't have that much memory, but with, with the caveat of with, within the context of the game not necessarily by itself i mean by itself it's fine it's it, it again it's nine inch nails music so one reason why it also reminds me of something like the soundtrack to saw we're like i like the soundtrack to saw but because when i'm listening to it i'm remembering the movie so when i'm listening to the quake soundtrack i was remembering some of those moments from the game itself so that's why it was that's why i picked for music also again possibly to occasion did, did you finish quake uh, did you play the single player campaign? Ugh. I was gonna be. I don't know if I finished. I was gonna be it. really disappointed if you finished Quake but you didn't finish Starcraft. Really, I just want to feel disappointed. I in you. I, I highly doubt. Okay, it. good. I. Uh, gosh, how many PC games did I ever actually <laughs> finish? Probably, probably not very many. But again, it was also it was. I, I probably did play Quake more solo than I did the Quake Quake uh, Quake was early in this generation, I guess. Then because we were playing like Quake three in college. I. I think that was the multiplayer. It was Unreal Tournament versus Quake Three or Quake. Unreal 2? Tournament is one that I remember playing a lot. I didn't play a lot of the Quake games. No, it was it was it was me and one other guy. We we were like, oh, you guys, you're Unreal <laughs> Tournament. We're gonna go play Quake Three. That's the real game. Rocket jumps, booyah! And I was like, ah, eh, this game actually isn't as good. I think I'm gonna go play Unreal Tournament. <laughs> <laughs> <That> sounds about <laughs> right. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> um, but yeah. All right. So 
I'll call this slightly more enthusiastic than my Metal Gear Solid pick. But <laughs> high praise. Yeah, like I said, this was this this was a tough. These two, I should say, these two categories, story and music, were surprisingly tough for me in this generation. Which I mean is again kind of shocking with the number of RPGs that were around, which are usually known for story and a lot of times are known for music. And like I just don't remember any of the music from any of these RPGs. I don't remember the music from Diablo. Uh. Like, you sh- you, you should have given me some of your just, picks because I totally could have doubled up on some just, of these. That's just me. Yeah. All right. Um, well, while we're talking about memories, Paul, what's your most memorable of this? I guess memorable ga- memorable game of this. Year? So once again, this is uh, this is a game that could easily fall within one of my top games of all time, and as, as a strong contender for the best game of this generation. But this is where I felt like it fit, fit the best, and this is Half Life. Because you were talking before, Travis, about mm. uh, Metal Gear Solid feeling like a movie. Um, never before have I played, or up until that point, never before had I played uh, a game that felt like a movie than Half-Life because of all of the scripted things that went on in that game. Um, to the point where w- when it starts off, you're just kind of like, if I recall correctly, and sometimes my memory between Half-Life and Half-Life 2 gets a little blurred because that's what happens when you get old. But um, I think the beginning of the game starts off with you're on, a, you're on a tram. You're just like you're going to work and you're just kind of like watching various things going on while you're on effectively like a glorified subway and you know, construction is going on around you. You walk into your laboratory and like, hey, guys, we're going to do an experiment today. And, you know, as a player, you know that probably something's about to go horribly wrong. But it totally feels like just the beginning of like some sort of boring, you know, maybe TV drama or something like that. And then yeah the fit hits hits the shan and like the portals open and aliens start pouring through and and that's just where the 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 memories that's not even the end of like the the memorable sequences like the game is absolutely littered with uh instances of of scientists like you know banging on doors trying to escape and then a head crab jumping on them and and like debris falling in the way so you can't save them and um, looking over there as like something drops from the ceiling and and pulls them into a ventilation shaft or um just all sorts of of scripted events and uh that's not even getting into like the mysterious g-man who you occasionally see like walking down a hallway or standing in a in a in a window far away that you can't get to um the story is a a little on the weak side with the game because to to this day i'm i still can't fully explain who the g-man is and what the heck is going on in the grand scheme of things but uh they also need to finish it with Half-Life 3. Yeah, right? and, you know, Half-Life 3 is, like, <laughs> one of the greatest vaporware, uh, I guess the greatest, like, vaporware um, story of all time. But um, in terms of just, you know, so many memorable sequences because uh, playing that game where I remember thinking, like, oh, my God, I can't believe that just happened. And it's probably, it's a lot of old hat now, you know, having these kind of scripted moments in video games is is totally happens all the time. But... Uh, I don't remember it ever happening before that, and so that was easily my most memorable video game of this generation. So I don't know if Andrew has anything to jump in, but again, another PC game that I only played multiplayer. Oh my god! I don't think I ever. I don't think I ever played a single player. What a waste! I, I don't even. I, I wasn't even <laughs> fully aware you could play this. I mean, I'm sure I did play it multiplayer. Probably. You and I played a multiplayer all, all the, the time. time. Well, because we would. <laughs> we would specifically. Oh. We would specifically play at like three o'clock on a Tuesday morning because that's when all the other hardcore gamers were on. If we played it like a Saturday night, we would just destroy everybody. We had to like play, and it was like some level specifically where we were like small. It was a kitchen, 
and like you were in the you were in this like everything was gigantic so like we fought in a kitchen and you know like there's a sink and you have to like climb up the the brush to get out of the sink and there's mouse holes and stuff like you don't remember this any sounds of this? vaguely familiar although are you sure That's... that we were ever at a point in our lives where we were actually good enough that we were seeking out hardcore competition at that point in half-life we were okay that's because all the hardcore. That's probably because all the hardcore people were overplaying Quake and yeah. Unreal Tournament. Yeah, no, that this I do, I do remember this now. I yeah, that that is that was a lot of fun, but apparently not as memorable do, as a single player game. And beating people to death with a crowbar. Yeah, well, that's that's always that. I mean, like beating up headcrabs with a crowbar or or zombified scientists with a crowbar. Also, like as fun as the chainsaw is in Doom. Yeah, the crowbar probably beats it. I have never played oh Half Life. Anyone. There you go. At least I played what it multiplayer. <laughs> See? What is wrong with you? you... Have you played? Have you played? Have you played Portal? Um. Oh kind no. Of? Yes. And you call <laughs> I know the cake is a lie. I almost wore my cake as a lie shirt. I, I, I have Portal. I've played wait, it. Wait, I'm, Andrew. I'm stuck on like test chamber eighteen or something. I don't. Andrew, know. play Portal. There's cake at the end. No, there's not. I know the cake's a lie. You can't fool me. <laughs> Cultural osmosis. <laughs> my God. You, you, I'm, I'm taking away I, your. I, I got through. I got through that sequence. I got through that sequence where the cake. Uh, you know, you're getting to the cake and it's pushing you into the fire and like tries to bake you and you have to jump out of the fire. So I played that level. Okay, so that's how far I, I am. I'm portal. taking away your chief video game correspondent title. You are no longer. No, you do not need to play Half Life or Port- Valve is not the be all and end all of video games. They're one video game company and they don't even make the best video mm, games. Arguable. Yeah. No. I don't think. Okay, unless Half Life, unless Half Life is your personal best for this generation, Paul, you have to agree somewhat that they don't make the quote unquote hey, best. Half Life Two might end up being my best for the next generation. You never know. We'll see. Half Life Two Episode Two. All right. Well, well then, what's right. what's more memorable then, Mister Valve's yeah, crap? Yeah, Andrew, what's more? Memorable? I'm picking Mega Race. I've never, <laughs> I've never heard of this game. I've never even heard of this game. I feel like yeah. every generation Andrew has one game that we're all like, "What the hell, Mule?" You just made this yeah. one up. You just made this Me- one up. Mega <laughs> Race is a much earlier game in the generation. It was released in 1993. So it's, you know, compared to, like, the 1997-1998 releases that we're talking about with something like StarCraft coming in at the very end. This is the very beginning of the generation. And Mega Race is a racing game where you are in a death race uh, trying to win prizes. It's a comedic version of Death Race, essentially. And what makes this game so memorable, beyond its soundtrack, I could easily have picked it for best soundtrack as well, because it has a fantastic soundtrack, but what makes it even more memorable as an issue is that the announcer who's calling the race is just this fantastic caricature of a person, and it's um, FMV-style capture video of an actor who is chewing the scenery as he's doing this so it, he, he plays a bit like a max headroom almost as he's announcing the game and telling you you know you died or you killed these guys you wasted them and what prizes you get what absolute crappy prizes you get but between that and the gameplay which is solid and the soundtrack it is a hugely memorable moment of playing video games that i had uh, it came as a demo, I think, with the computer that I got uh, in the early 90s. And I said, yep, this one's good. We're going to get it. I actually bought the full copy, unlike Tyrion, which also admitted have been a really good choice as a memorable game there. But I never bought the full version of Tyrion. I've only bought Mega Race. So Mega Race beat out Tyrion, which is kind of impressive. So you, you've never played Half-Life, one of the acknowledged masterpieces yep. <laughs> of PC gaming. But you're instead you're putting up a game that you once got a demo for in the 90s. And decided, yeah, this is good. And then I, I bought it. it. I That's bought it. Praise there. If you want to look at PC gaming, 
something like Mega Race is a great game. And no, I am not going to bow to your PC Master Race <laughs> bullshit saying that Half-Life is some amazing thing when you haven't even heard of Mega Race. How can you say it's not good if you haven't even heard I, of it? This is going to be a deep cut, um, but is your problem with Half-Life that the love for it is too ubiquitous? And so you felt the need no. to pick a game that literally no one has ever heard of before as the most memorable It was game. on the Sega, although it was ported to the Sega CD and 3DO. Ooh, that's how you know it was a big hit. There you go. <laughs> no. To be fair, reason, most P PC games were not being ported to consoles like that too. The reason why I have not played Half-Life is because it's a shooter, and I don't play shooters. And here's where I turn a little slightly more serious. So it's not the first-person perspective of shooters that turns you off. No, it's, I've gotten used to it. I definitely okay. didn't like it at first, but I've had to well, get used to it because it's in too many games. But there are people that like can't play those games because it makes them motion sure. sick or something like that. But like that's no. not your problem. It was no. just the content of what you were usually doing, like in a Doom or a Wolf and stuff. Not not that, I, not that you weren't a, not that you're against violence or anything like that. Right. But no, like, but the Doom and, and uh, Wolfenstein don't appeal to me. I played Hexic, for example, which is Hexen? a similar. It's like yeah. a Hexen, which is like a Doom clone, but if you're fighting wizards and warlocks instead. Uh, and that didn't necessarily bother me in terms of content. It just bothered me because I wasn't good at it. And I'm not good at it because of the first person's perspective and because you're shooting in. It requires these Twitch skills that I just didn't have and certainly don't have on PC. And on, on consoles now, I have them to an extent that I'm acceptable, but I'm still not good. I don't mind a challenge in my <laughs> video games. I, I enjoy being challenged, but I want to be able to overcome the challenge. And I, especially if I'm playing a narrative game like Half-Life is. Half-Life is a narrative game. I want to be able to get through the narrative without stumbling so that I have to reset every 10 or 5 minutes to get to back to a checkpoint until I eventually get through and succeed. Because how many lives do you have in your story? If the answer is more than like 10, it's not a very good story for me. But I'm talking about I can't even get through the single-player content and these shooters without dying way more than the average player, and that makes it incredibly unfun especially if you are there more for the, the story parts than the gameplay parts so i choose not to play shooters on most occasions so they're not going to make my list of best games because i don't play them and i do that because they're not going to be my favorite games no matter how good the story is it's not good enough for me to suffer through that we'll, we'll all check out mega <laughs> i'm not going to all right it's highly memorable you play it you will remember it apparently the actor who played your host is also some actor in the hitman movie so he's too young, too old to have been Timothy Oliphant. Who, who was he? He played in... Colonel Herzog. I mean, that's not the right name. Interesting, at all. but <laughs> Colonel Sanders. <laughs> I'm, I'm riffing off. I'm riff, well, I'm riffing off of Werner Herzog, Mandel. But um, all right, so try to drag us back on the task here. What's your most memorable? My most memorable. I told you all I had a beer that tied into one of my games tonight. So I don't know which one of you want to read. What my beer is called? Fira. Hazy, IPA, what? alcoholic beverage, 8.8. .8. It's Fyra. <laughs> Six spells, Fyra. It's, now, granted, in Final Fantasy VII, which is my game, it's called Fire 2, not Fyra, whatever. Like, all, so Black, this is to plug the beer a little bit more. This is from Black Flag, who d does a lot of cans from this game. They've had Eris, they've had Sephiroth, they've had Cloud. Like, this is why this is most memorable. This is probably the only Final Fantasy game I can name every, or almost every character. And what is it? The last one's like, I know there's Tifa and there's Renoa. Is that the, oh, Renoa's an eight, right? Yes, Renoa's an eight. Renoa's an eight, okay. Um, I feel like I'm missing, and there's Barrett. I feel like I'm missing one. But anyway. Yuffie? Is Kate Sith? Yuffie. Yuffie's who I'm thinking of. The, she's kind of like the fighter. Interesting thing. Do you know that Kate Sith is actually pronounced K-she? I knew it wasn't Kate Sith. I didn't know what the yeah. actual pronunciation was. I, can't, I, can't, I think I'm still getting it wrong, but the, the Sith is she, uh, like Gaelic. So hmm. 
Anyway, like, Final Fantasy VII, continue. But just talking about, like, again, we were talking about playing movies and everything. That was a hallmark. I think that was a hallmark of the PlayStation. That, well, and, and PCs at this time. But, like, since I didn't play... I played a fair share of PC games, but, like, this was... This was the first cinematic, truly cinematic RPG. We talked about our love for Final Fantasy VI last time. But it was still just sprites and reading text and stuff. This was the first time, like, there were videos and, like, the introduction of Sephiroth. And, sorry for spoilers, but whatever. At the end of disc one. And that's, like, a perfect... They knew, how, at least in Final Fantasy VII, they knew how to use the discs, right? That's the ending of disc one. Like, is this huge moment that, like, affected so many people when when that happened and also this was the this was one of two games that i bought a playstation for i i was a i was a nintendo fanboy through and through i saved up to buy the nintendo 64 when i got a chance to play the demo we're talking about demos a lot um when we when i played a demo for this i think and then there was another game um but this what this made me buy a playstation because i was like oh well it was also like oh they're not going to put Final Fantasy on Nintendo anymore? I guess I got to go play PlayStation. But, yeah, just playing this, the Materia system, the um, just, like, the whole weird life stream plot and everything, but, like, mostly just the character. It seems like, I mean, I picked Metal Gear Solid as best story because I remembered all the characters. So, similar thing here. Like, I remember all the characters. I watched the Spirits Within movie. I have not played the remake, um, which apparently addresses a little bit of the offensive cross-dressing that goes on as part of the plot in Final Fantasy VII at one point. Um, but yeah, but just like crazy characters. Yeah, like I'll call him Kate Sith. I'm not going to try to pronounce the correct way, but like like Kate Sith, stuff like that. Um, Red 13, Vincent. This, Vincent's optional. Like um, summons had kind of been around. Like, they were, weren't, there was something equi- almost equivalent to them in Final Fantasy VI, right? Oh yeah, the Espers. Yeah, you could you could like bring the espers into battle, but this was the first time. Like, I mean, yeah. By the end, nice by the, the end, round is a two minute long sequence. No, but no, but by about say it. by the end of the game, you're sick and tired of seeing knights of the round, and you're like, God damn it, I just want, I don't want to watch this whole thing. But yeah, but just the first time you see all those animations, the Shiva animation, the Frit- knight, and then the first time you see knights of the round, it's freaking cool to watch to watch all that stuff, and just like to go around. It's it's Midgar, right? It's gonna yes. call it Midgard, but Midgard is Lord of the Rings. Okay. Anyway, but like just going around Midgar and like then going to like the casinos and like the whole thing where you could like you can go on a date and you can go on a date with one of the dudes. Like I mean that was like a, a interesting thing to be able to do at that point. Just for the at that point it was the sheer comedic value of it, you know. But like yeah, just this game would have been the most memorable to me just for and Sephiroth alone. But you add in all this other stuff on top of it, and the fact that it was one of those other Final Fantasy games, probably the last Final Fantasy game where I maxed out every, you know, I put on the materia and I ground, did the grind to up, to um, level up everybody and learn everything and all that. Like, yeah, and also it's, like I said, fifty percent of the reason I bought an original PlayStation. I, I can't really fault your reasoning that this is a highly memorable game. I think the only reason why I'm so much more interested in picking something like Mega Race over this as my memorable choice is because of how little I liked the game. But exactly, <laughs> you're right. I bought my PlayStation for the exact same reason. I was like, oh, hey, if I want to play Final Fantasy VII, by the way, as we said last time, where's 4, 5, and 6? I want those too. <laughs> yeah. But I wanted to play Final Fantasy VII, so I went and got a PlayStation. PlayStation's killer app was Final Fantasy VII, even if I ended up not liking it nearly as much as many other gamers. 
and it was a killer app that succeeded way beyond it. Just because it lost me from the series a little bit, it gained so many more. Uh, people who found Final Fantasy VII love Final Fantasy VII who had never played a Final Fantasy game before in their lives. And the story has its high points. It has some really memorable moments that you're calling out to. I can't, I can't fault your choice, even if I end up disagreeing with it. Now, I can't help but think of... It would still be memorable, regardless to me. But it's also being kept in our minds. Like, for some reason, this is the one that fans glommed onto. And like like I said, there was a movie. There's been a rem- like a, There's been a remake that... Like, the remake was just the first disc, I think, right? Like, they're, it's, like, going to be a three-part remake or something ridiculous like that. Yeah, they're um, not even close to done with it yet. Yeah, so, like, for some, re- like, for some reason, this was the one that f- fans glommed onto. Like, forget, I said Renoa. What's even the main character from Final Fantasy VIII? Squall. Squall. I remember Gunblade. Or, or Laguna, depending on how much way you want to think about okay. it. Laguna remember, could be your main character. I remember Gunblades and, like, the guy with the frosted tips who punches and everything i remember that and being like trapped in jail like i remember bits and pieces of that game cypher there are certain parts of final fantasy 9 that i definitely remember um mostly like you know the the old black mage coming back. like that type of vv the style that style of black mage coming back there's some other reasons why i remember that game more but yeah final fantasy 7 like i guess i'm like all the other fan fanboys like that's the one that's stuck in my mind the most i've been totally quiet because i'm not really the biggest final fantasy fan but I just want to jump in. You mentioned something about Spirits Within. That is not Final Fantasy VII, right? The Advent Children is probably, I think, the one you were talking about. Oh, yep. There you go. I, I knew I was probably saying the wrong thing when I said it. Yes, it's Advent Yeah, because I, I was like, that doesn't sound right. I thought Spirits Within was like an unrelated story. As Spirits Within is like barely Final Fantasy. It's sci-fi, mm. really. It's final <laughs> sci-fi. We won't, get into, we won't get into that debate. But, yes. but so is Final Fantasy VII. It had magic. I don't remember, really remember Spirits Within too much. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we don't have to get into no, Spirits. No, within. no, no one remembers Final Fantasy Spirits Within very much, <laughs> except Life is Strange for some reason. That's another story. We're on to the best category of them all: your personal best game of this generation. Yeah, and like I said, this was super tough. And uh, at le- Half Life, Starcraft, even Super Smash Brothers, I think all could have laid claim to the best uh, of this generation. And one of my worthy of discourses, I like. I've mentioned this before, I simply cannot believe it's not getting included anywhere in here. But I had to go with Warcraft 2 Tides of Darkness because Whoa! it is over Starcraft. Over Starcraft. That's kind it of impressive. It is um, such a well-polished game in every aspect. It's got the music, it's got the opening cinematic, which to, to this day I can still picture. The, it has not aged well, the graphics are pretty bad, but I remember the first time i watched it being like oh my god i'm so pumped up to kill these orcs who are coming and invading my land let's let's destroy (laughs) them right and um just every aspect of it the graphics were were absolutely great um the sound the the multiplayer i mean it didn't have the unlike starcraft the orcs and humans were basically carbon copies of each other but still like just everything about it like they they look different though Mm. they were different different graphics right and so it felt like they right. were just they were completely different, and you know, zog zog and ready to serve and all, all just every aspect of it and clicking on stop to <laughs> stop poking, poking me. Yeah. and if you click on the animal, it eventually blows up. <laughs> and um, the the single player campaign was great. It it, it had um, not quite as 
doesn't quite reach the same heights as, as Starcraft, but there are definitely aspects of like you know twists and turns and political machinations and um, and betrayals and and everything and uh, the multiplayer was great and those and those zergling and rushes. rushes and the, and the multiplayer was, was just absolutely great like I have so many memories <laughs> apparently more than I did playing half-life with you Travis but so many memories of playing Warcraft 2 with um, against computer with, with with friends against computer against against friends and I to this day I still have nightmares about being uh, humans and hearing just a whole bunch of like bloodlust being cast by ogre mages. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh my god, I'm about to get raffle stomped because ogre mages were super OP compared to paladins. That's the one balancing they didn't do. But um just it was offense versus defense. Healing is great, but it only helps if you've been damaged whereas the ogre mages powering everything up. And I had the explosive runes too, so you could if you had enough time, you could just lay out all the traps and like, yeah, mm-hmm. come get me. Well, the other problem with healing is you have to pick your target, right? a lot right? more micro. A buff, yeah, a buff is easy. Like, okay, I can do all this and now just go attack. While it's healing, you have to be like, who's yeah. hurt? Who do I need to click? At, at least <laughs> the paladins would auto-target for their healing in some cases. You just let okay. them go. Like, I'm not, not attacking and they would heal. But it, it was definitely not as precise because you're relying on the AI, which was not as strong as anything that a human could do. But, yeah, that's, that's a micro criticism of the balance that the game had. Although what's impressive about you mentioning multiplayer is this was pre-Battle.net. Mm-hmm. Yes, it was. So, like, if you played multiplayer, it was either LAN or dial-up, yep. right? And, yes, and, it was. And I, yeah. I, I'm pretty sure I had LAN parties to, in order to play Warcraft 2. And it was like, oh, my God, this is so unbelievably awesome. Like, having, like, eight people, like, all sitting around, like, playing at the same time. It was – it felt like the, the, the height of, like, video game goodness at the time. Um, and, you know, I can still remember, like, Death Knights and Mages and Blizzard and Polymorph and – and how you could actually attack mines bizarrely, and w- like even the tiny things of like you would send your peasants to chop down trees, and lo and behold, the, like the trees would disappear from the terrain. Like you'd alter the terrain by chopping down trees, and you could watch them carrying it back to the lumber mill. Just every aspect of it was so perfectly done, and it was so polished, and it it really, it, I don't think it's an understatement to say that it revolutionized what I thought a video game could be right you look at something like a super mario brothers and it's like okay it's a side scroller and everything's just kind of like it, it is what it is and well, and warcraft I, I know we're comparing different generations like hugely different generations but go go ahead travis tell me why i'm wrong no 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 i you're right for their you're right i think for their current places right in time. yes i'm just thinking back like the first the first time anybody played super mario brothers in that time like was a revelation because I'm also just thinking like, I mean up until that point there was no screen scrolling. I'm just thinking like the, the, the legendary story. The legendary story is John Carmack invented side scrolling on the PC so that he could port Super Mario Brothers to the PC. Before that point, it was screen and you got to the edge of the screen and the whole thing shifted over to the next screen. Mm. As opposed to a console was smooth running. So small tangent, but but no like. When people think of real-time strategy games, sure, there is Warcraft One. Most people our generation are going to think Warcraft Two. That was yeah, that was Warcraft Two was so much of an improvement over Warcraft One, yeah. though. I mean, it was miles just like, better. Just like Civilization Two was <laughs> so much of an improvement. And I'm not even saying yeah, this sarcastically. No, I'm no, saying no, this provocatively yeah. to Andrew. But it was so much of an improvement over Civilization One. There was some there were some leaps in this yeah, generation. No, definitely. Ninety-three to ninety-eight is a big time 
to cover in this and like there's some big leaps with in movies you often hear that the sequel is, is very rarely better than the original i feel like video games it's oftentimes the opposite where there are a lot of times where the first game is okay uh, or maybe even it's pretty good but the sequel is just absolutely great and warcraft 2 is one of those examples i i agree with you that civilization 2 is one of those examples i think we'll see doom 2 well doom 2 is not so much as leap over doom 1 so that's not a great no but warcraft 2 i think we can all agree is just in almost every aspect is just such a revolutionary step forward and i think i mean i it didn't it clearly it didn't invent the the real-time strategy genre because warcraft 1 existed right but i think this i I think so many games owe a, a huge debt to warcraft 2 for making it as popular making the genre as popular as it is now or as it was for for decades and of course without warcraft 2 continuing the series of warcraft you wouldn't have the success of warcraft 3 which ultimately leads to world of warcraft being one of the biggest and, games and, of oh, all you time have starcraft so, and starcraft yeah. 2 and all the esports and everything it's hugely influential you might not even have diablo <laughs> yeah I mean, like, yeah. right? I, I don't know if this was a make-or-break game for Blizzard, but, like, it certainly put them on the map to be able to do a lot of different mm-hmm. things. And and um. speaking of LAN versus uh, dial-up, I still have my friend's phone number memorized because of that <laughs> game. Uh, uh, actually, yeah. Dwayne. Dwayne you, said, you said LAN, and, and I very briefly thought you said LAN with a D, and I, that, that's just another thing. Like, it, it introduced... There are flying units. There, there was naval units, n- naval and naval, yep. and catapults was, and range units. My friend hated the naval, the, the anything that had a sea because I just destroyed him in the navies, and he couldn't rush me on land fast enough. So I, and, he did not and, enjoy and that. And it really started introducing like these con- like transports and and the concepts of almost the paper rock scissors, where yes, you could have like these juggernauts which were could could bombard the land and were just devastating on 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 the seas, except they couldn't shoot the air. And you need the destroyers to be able to hit, hit air units. And so, you know, if you saw a bunch of juggernauts, your opponent was building a bunch of juggernauts, then maybe you go griffins or dragons to try and take them out. And But then they go destroyers, and then maybe you go with uh, something else. And it was it's just so, so good. It introduced so many concepts. And, um, yeah, I, I don't feel bad at all with picking Warcraft 2, even though the competition was very stiff. Now, what's interesting is also looking at just one of its contemporaries, right? So that was released in... December of 95. Sure. Command and Conquer was released in 1995 Can I I mention one of my worthy discourses? Okay. (laughs) Command and Conquer, I feel so sorry for. Because it is always... (laughs) It's a a very solid game. And I had a lot of fun playing it. And uh, Command and Conquer Red Alert was actually one of my um, worthy discourses for this. And um, a pretty good story. It's a wacky story. And it kind of doesn't take itself seriously. But it's a pretty compelling story. And, And yet... Nobody ever really remembers Command and Conquer because it was always in the shadow of Warcraft and well, Starcraft. Well, and I just remember, down, so first of all, downloading the demo, and I had to download it in two parts. You downloaded the game, and you had to download the sound effects hmm. separately. I, I did not remember that <laughs> because of the, the the size limitations on download on downloads at that point. I guess so. Like I, I initially played it in total silence because <laughs> I didn't have the sounds downloaded yet. That's sad. Um, but just like just again. Although, probably if I held up the screenshots, maybe it wouldn't be a stark. In my memory, Command & Conquer looks so much yeah. worse than War- than Warcraft 2. Warcraft 2, I, maybe it's rose-tinted glasses, but Warcraft 2 still, like, graphically might yeah, hold no, up. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's incredible. Like, Command & Conquer didn't look bad for its time. 
It's just that compared to War- Warcraft 2, it like you said, it looked horrible. Like Warcraft 2, the graphs, graphics were so crisp and clear and had personality. And, uh, you know, it, it, realistic was the wrong word for it. But, but like, it, you could tell units apart. You could see that dichotomy showing up in this generation of, like, some games tried to be like, ooh, we have this new technology. We're going to be super realistic, like Command & Conquer was trying to. But other games, like Warcraft 2, are like, no, we're just going to use the better graphics to make the stuff that we were already doing look mm-hmm. better instead of trying to like make it look more realistic. Mm-hmm. And that has served, that served a lot of games a lot as they mm-hmm. age. There's been, cause like you can't go back and play a lot of these PlayStation one games cause the graphics are just so on a, on a lot of the 3d ones are just so bad. But if you go back and play some, some of the simpler the games the maybe, or like, well, yeah, that might even be a perfect example. I don't know. But like, I do remember yeah. Rapid Rapid. <laughs> chop, chop. Come on, all y'all. <laughs> but anyway, I guess we should let Andrew actually get to his personal. Oh, we know it's going to be a disappointing game that no one's ever heard. Mule 2. <laughs> Speaking of sequels being better than the first. So, well, I will speak about sequels being better than the first. But before I do that, I just want to, to cap off World of Warcraft because. Not World of no, Warcraft. Warcraft 2. 2. Okay. Because as, as much as I did not have it anywhere on my list, I don't disagree that. Paul has uh, as a good place. I don't know if it's the best game of the generation, but I can't argue that it was a very, very important game. And I think one of the reasons why it succeeded where Command & Conquer or other games like this didn't, even something like Dune 2000, which was another really excellent real-time strategy game in this generation, this Warcraft succeeded because it was approachable. You could be a beginner gamer and you could still play World uh, Warcraft 2 because you could just say, well, forget it. I'm going to put some cheat codes on and make it a little bit easier for myself. And they were embedded and well enough known that it was easy to do. You know, I need some gold. I need some wood. I need some, some resources. Just type in the words and you get it. You know what? You want God mode? You just want to fly through the campaign and see what it's like? The real-time strategy is not for you, but you want to see the story? You can do that. You can't necessarily turn on God mode in Half-Life. So me, I'm going to stay away from it, whereas someone who just isn't into sh- uh, real-time strategies but wants to see this story, for whatever reason, it's not the best story, but it's okay, can do that in uh, Warcraft 2. And it is a worthwhile story. It has a lot of cool stuff there. So I think approachability matters, and it's something we don't talk about enough. I totally forgot about that you could bring up the console. Or... That was a thing in this generation, I think too, just... of PC games. Didn't of you just type in the chat? Yeah, you type it in the chat, and it goes off. It wasn't and like I a still... drop-down console? No. That's, that's how, like, Quake or something was, I think, was like, there's a drop-down console. At... Okay. And it, the commands were always amusing. A lot of them were Star Trek references. I'm sure that's probably a reason why oh, Paul loved it yeah. as well. I don't think that was the only reason. I don't think it was the only reason, but I think I can't it, hurt, it, right? It definitely adds to, it, it adds to the charm. And, you know, that's that's a word that I probably should have used. It's 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 a very charming game, too. Like, just from, like, the... For, for the amount of blood on the ground, you it's very charming. A, a sheep until it blows And I mean that seriously. It's incredible. It's, it's a very charming game. Yes. But, yeah, each of the units had their personality, and it was a tremendous amount of fun to click on them all to hear <laughs> the, the, the iterations. So, yeah. It, Wait a minute. There was a cheat code to win the scenario instantly. I hope that was single player only. Oh yeah, single player only. It did not work. It's it's for the scenario, literally for the scenario. Okay. I was gonna say, oh my god. All right. So my pick for best game in this generation is another sequel, uh, and I'm gonna have to um, back up the story a little bit. I I was taking German in high school, and I was given an assignment in my German class that I had to go and interview someone who had been to Germany and conduct the interview in German. So, uh, my mother's coworker 
was in Germany for a period of time because her, her husband was military and they did some tour over there. And so they came back and her son was the one I interviewed. So I'm talking to him. I'm talking about his experience in Germany, trying to throw as much German into it as I could. And we were like, I don't know what to ask you. 20 minutes into the interview, we're like, I'm done. I've asked you every question I can conceivably think about. I can write my paper now, but I'm here for another 40 minutes. What are we going to do? He's like, I got a video game. You want to see Master of Orion? I was like, cool. So he shows me Master of Orion, and I fell head over heels in love with this game because it was strategy and slider bars and alien civilizations and sci-fi and just incredible. This microprose game is like, this is awesome. So I threw it onto my Christmas list, and my uncle bought it for me, except they bought me Master of Orion 2 because it had just come out. I didn't know Master of Orion 2 had just come out. And I said, buy me Master of Orion for my for Christmas, please. And I get Master of Orion 2, and I'm like, what the hell is this? This is not what I asked for. Well, whatever. It's, it's, I did not, you know, obviously it was nothing like that in person, but I was a little surprised. I install it, and I was like, okay, let's find out what this is. And there are the slaughter bars, and it's a sequel, and it is ten times better than the original, not just in the graphics, the sound, the gameplay is all substantially improved, and Master of Orion 2 is probably the best 4X game ever made. That's how good it is. And it came to me basically by accident through this random happenstance of a class that I was taking, and I, I, I randomly meet somebody who tells me about the wrong game, and it ends up in my possession. And I just cannot say enough good things about this. There are a number of different playable races. They are all unique in how they play out. You can create your own custom races, although that can break the game because you can choose the best perks and the least dangerous downsides. But in the end, the ability to explore iterative galaxies and change things has such tremendous replayability. These games speak to me, which is one of the reasons why they're consistently some of my best games for the generation. But the ability to control and develop and learn strategy makes Master of Orion 2 far and away the best game of this generation. Wow. I'm so disappointed that Diablo never anywhere here. That's all I got. No, I... I, 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 still, I still contend that's going to be a Yeah, I, I probably shot my load too early. It should have been Diablo 2. But I've... Because I, I, th I think a lot of my memories of Diablo, Diablo are too. of later. I, I have never played Master of Orion 2, so I guess this is my half-life to your half-life. No, I screwed that up. But you know what I'm saying. I've never played Master of Orion 2. I have heard great things about it, and I am a big fan of, of 4X games, so it's probably one of the bigger holes in my gaming history. I suspect I'll probably never go back to play it because I have enough games that I want to play now, modern games, that I don't really feel like I need to reach back for 20 years or to, to find older games to play. But um, from everything I've heard, this is one of your more defensible picks. <laughs> uh, the ones that you didn't share with me. <laughs> from what yeah. I've heard, this is one of your more defensible picks. Yes. One amazing well, words of Other than the ones that you shared with me, you picked the same games as I did. This was almost one that I... I thought it, it sprung to my mind. I just didn't know which one to, for you to, to pick pick it for. And I wasn't, I, I, I really didn't know what PC games Andrew played at this point because my only experience was Nintendo 64 with them. Um, and then I don't, I didn't recall you playing this game in college, Paul, but again, it would have been, it would have been like kind of getting on an age. Are you talking about Warcraft 2 or Master of Orion? Yeah, I, I mostly played this. Uh, no, Master of Orion. Both, both Warcraft and Master of Orion I played much more in the high school time period. Right. And Starcraft I played uh, late high school and into college. And then in college I played a lot of PC games as well, but they didn't make the list for the most part. The college games were the N64 games for whatever reason. I mean, you look at my list, 
I, I am surprised by how few PlayStation games end up on my list, considering how much more of a PlayStation player I was, that I owned a PlayStation. I never owned an N64 until I graduated from college and got my own stuff. And yet, the N64 games were much more of an impact in me in this generation. Yeah, well, when I first looked at the PlayStation game list to, to prepare for this, I was like, 4,000 PlayStation titles? Oh, my God. But it's like, oh... There's 50 pachinko titles. There's 50 slot machine titles. Like, okay, this is going to be a short, this is going to be a much shorter list than I thought of. So like, yeah, I, I, I tend to think PlayStation games are like, were more formative. Like, I, I don't know. It's hard to describe where like, like I just said earlier, like you don't want to go back and play a PlayStation one game for, for the most part, you don't really want to go back and play them. But so they haven't aged well at all. But I the think cost they, to entry for designing and making a PlayStation game was so much lower than making a Nintendo game. You want to make yeah. and sell them, you just put it on a CD. The printing cost is so much less than building a cartridge cost. And that did mean that you had a lot of games that could come out of nowhere. And sometimes they surprised, but sometimes they were just pachinko games. Seconding Paul sounds kind of bad in this regard, but I never played Masters of Orion. I've heard fantastic things about it, but... I've just I've just never wound up playing any. Basically, my 4x game that I've played is Civilization 2, almost full stop. I think. Oh wow! So I just I just never got never got really into that that genre. I, there's a 4x game for next generation for Paul that I'm, might be one of my guesses. I'm not sure. Well, you're, apparently you're the person to beat right now. So I you got the magic. You you got the so touch. Apparently, it's time for my personal best, right? Yep. Almost, I almost had to pick it for best music. Uh, in all honesty, I picked Quake just like I picked Quake was my original answer for best music, but I was like, oh man, it's really Castlevania Symphony of the Night. But I don't want to pick the same game in two categories. But I, I spoiled it last last episode. You guys get the free score this time. This is almost the perfect game for me. Like in my opinion, this is all like this is. I have owned this game on almost every console I've ever owned. <laughs> Um, if it was on the Switch, I'd buy it on the Switch, but it's not, it's not on there, right? So I own the Castlevania collection, so I own Castlevania 1 again. But no, like, this established the Metroidvania formula. It, okay, although to be fair, I played Bloody Tears, right? Bloody Tears apparently is not on the American version of the game. It's on, like, the what? Japanese Sega Saturn version during a boss fight. I looked, I looked this up. Um, it's dirt. From Reddit, it never crossed my mind it could be a boss battle theme, but it is Skeleton Leader's theme. It's a boss you can only fight in a secret level of Sega Saturn's version of set of Symphony of the Night. So maybe it's not Sega, maybe it's not Japan only, but it's the Saturn version, which I never played. So, but Bloody Tears, granted, Bloody Tears even started in in um, Castlevania Two, um, but this that that the version I just played right there that that is the version of Bloody Tears, like. And so many of the songs in this, but the the battles, the playing as Alucard, just the the graphics have held up even probably not as much as I would totally remember since I haven't played I haven't played it even though owning it for many years. But um, but yeah, like this is it was no, I was shocked when you guys weren't gonna already pick this game for me because I th I thought I th I thought I thought I played this game so much. I guess maybe I didn't play it in the dorm room as much. Maybe it was something I played some elsewhere but when i was alluding to buying a playstation yeah final fantasy 7 was there this is the game i bought a playstation for i wanted to play symphony of the night like it i don't know if i can say much more besides i think it's the perfect video yeah, I, I got burned <laughs> picking castlevania too so i'm like no 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 more picking castlevanias for travis i apparently do not know him as well as I did. 
but like the whole yeah I don't know, the upside down castle and like it's it's not even 200 percent it's like 200.12 percent it's some it's some weird thing because there's like some little extra box that i guess they didn't account for or something but it's in the math for calculating percentage complete and like yeah change but changing weapons but then just that it established the formula for like all the ds games which are fantastic like circle the moon harmony of dissonance uh, portrait of ruin all those games which are all fantastic games but this generation um, wait i gotta make notes for next generation but yeah <laughs> next generation gotcha that that has <laughs> but like yeah this is i you're speechless i can't put it totally into words even it's just like this is this is the pinnacle of gaming for me. So you like your side scrollers? It was it was it was all downhill after Symphony of the so Night. So <laughs> this actually seems pretty on brand here. Like you're kind of a side scroller guy. Uh, Andrew hates first person shooters, but likes his four X. And I'm a real time strategy kind of guy. That I'm okay with that. That that seems relatively on brand. I think. I think all of them are very good choices as well. I mean, I I can't fault you for Warcraft uh, as your pick necessarily. I don't think it's the best. Uh, RTS in the generation even, but I, I, it's not a bad choice. I can see your logic for it. And Symphony of the Night is absolutely a classic of the Metroidvania, so these are some of the games that are the top of their class all around. The fact that it established the name Metroidvania, right? I mean, like, they're a Super Metroid, but no one was calling other games Metroid-ish. It took this game to establish that as a, as a genre, basically. Have they ever made a Castlevania movie? Well, they made the animated TV series there's on a Netflix. Three, there's at least three seasons of the Netflix right. show, yeah. But I don't think there's been an... I don't think there's been... There's at least not been a live-action movie hmm. that I'm aware of. Maybe there's no, an animated movie or something. But um, but even just the beginning of, like, the kind of pseudo-fake-out of, like, it starts off you're playing Richter, and you go and battle Dracula, and the infamous, what is a man? Oh, that's so good. <laughs> a pile of lies! Like, I mean, like, that's... That's so good. Yeah, like Andrew said, that's so good. And then the fact that you could actually replay the game as Richter, if, if like, I think you had to put in the right name or something like that, which is another old school thing of like putting in a different name at the, on the title screen of like actually unlocking something, just like what Link or Zelda unlocked the Master Quest in the first Zelda game. Like Put Zelda on and you become your round two, which was a bad choice in my opinion because <laughs> it's the Legend of Zelda. So what did I do with my very first attempt on the game? I named myself Zelda and the game was like, what is this? This is so hard. What is, I'm not, I don't understand. Nothing's worth looking up in the guides. I'm not like I had guides anyway, but I'm asking my friends yeah. to go to this place. And it's completely different. Yeah, that, I don't know. Uh, as he designed his choice, that was perhaps not the best, but it made a lot of sense in uh, Symphony of the Night. Symphony of the Night did it better. But yeah, like, and all the iconic locations from, I don't even, can't, can't even count how many Castlevanias came before this, but like, they're all represented here. All the classic vil- villains and sub-monsters and everything are in this, and yeah, just dashing back and the double jump, and yeah, just, I mean, just thinking about, there's like, there's certain weapons that are just so cool, and like, there's like a cape where it's like, transparent purple or something like that like just yeah it's <laughs> there's a reason i've pretty much bought it on every console i've ever owned but how many times have you gone back and replayed it i have played it on everyone i've probably only ever beat it on playstation true okay that's fair i mean i don't think uh, I've, i i will go back and play uh, master of the ryan periodically and that, uh, but i don't know that i play through the entire game because usually you get to the point where it's clear that you've lost or you're clear that you've won and it's no longer interesting so i, I can see the same kind of thing happening now the one game that's beat beat Cas- Symphony of the Night is the first Castlevania. That I probably have actually owned on every console, including the Switch. And I still have never gotten past Frankenstein's monster, as sad as that is. Uh, Are we ready for some more of the discourse? Let's do it. Oh, uh, yes. Why don't you guys go first, because I'm hoping you'll, you'll take out some of mine. 
<laughs> Fair enough. You had the long list today. I'll start because I have a relatively short list of additionals. And some of them we've mentioned already. So the ones we've already mentioned already, I mentioned Dune 2000 as another RTS that was really, really good in this generation. I can remember spending many hours playing that. Um, it was installed on the computer library at my school, so that was a nice way we would spend computer classes, um, although I never actually had any, so I would go up after school and use the, the library for that. Uh, Parappa the Rapper was mentioned. It's, it's iconic. It's, it's really, really memorable, even though I never particularly enjoyed it. Um, <laughs> but games that I did enjoy and we played multiplayer, would be something like NFL Blitz. We have some great stories, Travis and I, especially about playing NFL Blitz together. I think most of those are NFL 2K1, but yeah, NFL Blitz. We did, I know I played NFL Blitz for a lot of those things, and I, yeah. but yeah, we've had some other stories on some of those things. And NFL Blitz was just all around fun, and couldn't do it. They wanted to you know, minimize the, the big hit impact concerns, so all right. I played Primal Rage in the arcades, mm-hmm. and had a natural knack for it for whatever reason that I didn't have for other ones, and it, it turned me back on to fighting games. So when I came to the next one that really was really excellent, which was Marvel Super Heroes, I felt at home. And the Marvel Super Heroes fighting game is probably still my favorite fighting game. It's not necessarily the best, but the characters and the interactions and the moves are just so excellent. And the quest for the stones, that was really how I first learned about the Infinity Stones although it's much more in our mind these days from the MCU, that game was my introduction to it because I wasn't into the comics as much. It was like, these are cool characters, and I know who Captain America and Iron Man are, of course, but the quest for the stones as part of that game and what you could do with them in the game was just really a lot of fun. Just just to interject in there, not to, not to belittle your accomplishments on Primal Rage and the, Cap- and the Marvel fighting game, you might have been better at those because the hardcore fighters were not playing those. Oh yeah, no, I'm, I'm definitely <laughs> going to say that for whatever reason, these were better for me. The, the people who wanted to play really top-notch fighting games were probably over on the Street Fighter arcades that were still around, and the Mortal Kombat arcades, which were taking off at around the same time. But it, it meant, but I played some high-level games of this with some of my friends. Uh, one of my high school friends and I played Marvel Superheroes all the time. It's interesting that you bring up, because usually the masterpiece of that there would be um would have been capcom versus marvel not just straight up marvel yeah the capcom did nothing for me i had no interest in it uh and i played various versions of it and they're fine but it it doesn't add anything to it whereas marvel superheroes i got it on console when i finally was able to but that's for a later date primal primal rage is was a pretty fun anomaly i want to say it did yeah it didn't it was didn't unique yeah it was totally unique and really very very easy to get into for whatever reason. Uh, it, it was easy to be good at it and easy to be bad at it. <laughs> Is that your short list? I, I, the only other two I have are the PlayStation games that I actually did spend a lot of time playing. Um, since I owned a PlayStation, these are probably the two of the best PlayStation games from the generation. And that was uh, Burgundine, The Legend of Forsenna, which I spent probably 500 hours on, so kind of a big deal. <laughs> Five, 500? Well, because... <laughs> It's, a, it's another slow-paced strategy game where you're going through, and each of the battles is like an hour long, and you need to get through like 20 battles, and you do this for each of the kingdoms, and so you, there's six kingdoms. and by, So that's 120 hours for one playthrough, and I played through the game four or five times. So it's a long game when you play it the way I did. Uh, but it's a slow-paced, tactical battle game where you, you've got dragons, and you're lining them up, and, and literally lining up dragons. I'm going to move this dragon forward three spaces, and this dragon forward three spaces, and then they're going to cross their fires, and like, your unit's destroyed! Suck on that, AI! Because it's only against the AI. But it was so much fun for me. Um, but yeah, this is one of those things where no one ever saw it, because I played it while I was doing laundry, right? It's like, okay, 
I need to pause the game. It's like, I don't even need to pause the game. The game's doing nothing until I come back. It's my turn. What are you going to do? <laughs> it's high that's my. It's a game I can well, play while doing laundry. But that's, that's what I needed, right? It was something that kept me entertained right. that while I was doing the laundry, and it is really, really good. The story is fine, but the, the gameplay mechanics are all about, you know, using the right units to attack the right way, and I love that kind of stuff. So it's you not that surprising. that more than, like, Final Fantasy Tactics? Final Fantasy Tactics is the last one that I was going okay, to mention. There, there we go. <laughs> uh, because, yeah, Final Fantasy Tactics is Final Fantasy Tactics. I, I, I think probably, Travis, you can cover that one better. Go ahead. I did not get into Final really? Fantasy Tactics okay. very much. No, it was, it was... I've never gotten into many of those tactic games. The closest, the most I've been into is Disgaea, which is Next Generation. I've, well, yeah, the, the, that type of tactics is, like, too much for me, I guess. <laughs> so Final you, Fantasy Tactics is actually quite intense, which is surprising considering that it is not really it's a final fantasy brand you know you know uh, uh burgundine the legend of forsena is very intense as well and it's the hex based whereas final fantasy Texas is the grid based and generally speaking that's going to be your indicator that it's going to be a little bit less serious but you make any mistake especially early on in final fantasy Texas. the third mission i think is kind of the breaking point for a lot of people the first mission is your tutorial the first second mission is okay i'm on my own the third mission is you're being um ambushed in a in a city square and you will die there a lot, unless you know what you're doing in tactics games. It was also, I think it was the shock of, like, the fact that it had the words Final Fantasy in front of it. Might have done that game a disservice, because people coming from whatever the latest Final, I don't know when it was released relative to even Final Fantasy 7, but, like, people coming from 2 and 3, we were all in for a certain amount of shock when we played something like Final Fantasy Tactics. I still love it. I think it does a great job of telling a really oh. interesting story while you're going through it as well. And I didn't have any problem with it. It, it. it feels Final Fantasy to me. The sprites are back as opposed to the Final Fantasy VII bullshit right. character design. Uh, <laughs> and the music is Final Fantasy. And all the the magic classes, so you got white mages, black mages, all the classes are Final Fantasy. Yep, from Final Fantasy yeah, so it all fits with the Final Fantasy themes. I didn't have a problem with it being Final Fantasy. Although, yeah, if you went from Final Fantasy VII to this, I could see it being a problem. But yeah, just... Like I said, like those, that style of tactics game, that Fire Emblem, even something like Advance Wars, I just got into that style. So Diablo didn't reason. even make worthy of discourse. It was just a giant swing and a miss by me. Sorry, yeah. Oh, all right. I well, have a reason for that. If if you want to hear the reason, is, can you can you express it in like ten seconds? Yeah, I didn't play it until well, well, well after. Like the first time I played Diablo was after I've already been playing Diablo what three for ages. Wow. Whoa. You all right. A weird person. That's all I'm gonna say. He was he was playing Mega yeah. Race. Why right? would you play Diablo? Masterpiece <laughs> like Mega Race is available. <laughs> All right, um, I'll shoot through some of these worthy of discourses. Um, a couple more multiplayer ones that I just wanted to throw out there were um, I already mentioned Star Fox sixty four, but I have a feeling that game is probably not aged well, considering it was a lot of barrel rolls and loop de loops and stuff. But I remember do a barrel moment, roll. I remember in a, but I remember in a moment it was being cool to be like. I'm gonna sh- I'm gonna destroy you, and I'm gonna be a little person on the ground with a bazooka, and you're gonna be in your fancy jet, and I'm gonna kill you. Like uh, that's how. At least the friends I was playing with, I was good enough to be able to do that type of stuff. Um, Goldeneye was kind of a classic of the the, the genre of play. That's when I mentioned like the four screens. That's why I, I remember I can't, playing. I know that was on my list at some point, but yeah, that incredible game for multiplayer and for other people. Uh, I played a bunch of it myself, but for other people, it is the defining game for that system. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't the defining game. That's why it wasn't what I picked for that category. But even even the single player, 
Like, I mean, like, Goldeneye is, like, my James Bond, right? Because that's when I started watching James Bond movies was Goldeneye. All right, so now to get to ones that weren't already in other categories. We covered all the other ones. Um, I, I can't go Generation without mentioning The Legend of Zelda game. So Ocarina of Time. I still think Link to the Past is the Zelda game. Most of the internet will probably argue that Ocarina of Time is the Zelda game. The be- like, even the best video game of all time. Uh, Going into the lore of Zelda, it actually is like the dividing point of the series. Like if you if you if you delve into the timeline of how all the games link together, ah, link together, um, Ocarina of Time is like the three-way split of like whether you defeated Ganon or you didn't, or whether you like just say like whatever and like don't beat him or something. I don't. I forget what the third path is. <laughs> there's like there's like a third path. Um, <laughs> whatever. As re- as revolutionary as Ocarina of Time and although I didn't even put on my worthy discourse, but Super Mario 64, as as revolutionary as they were in the moment, I don't really feel ever feel compelled to go back and play them. Like, I have a friend that plays Mario 64 every year because he just lo- and gets all 120 stars because he just loves it. But, like, I've I've never felt compelled to go back and play Ocarina of Time for, for whatever reason. Kids, not enough time to but, go back and play old. Well, I had 20 years in between the game coming out and having kids yeah. almost, though, so... Or not... Not 20 years, I guess. God, I've had kids for that long. All right. Um, <laughs> um, uh, an, I, an underappreciated classic to me is Wave Race 64. I loved that game. Like, on the, on the 64, especially since I didn't play the F-Zero on 64, so this was my racing game on Nintendo 64, and looking at my list, that was my... Wave Race was my racing game for this I generation. had no idea they made 63 versions oh. before that. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. They certainly did. That one. Um, I, I wish they would make a sequel or so, like, as far as I, like, this Wave is Wave Race it. 65? This is at Wave Race Series S or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I wish they would do something with it. Like, but it, it, at this point, I assume it's, they're never going back to that, that game. I don't know why it was such. It was so awesome to me. Um, Have you ever Hy- played Hydro Thunder Hurricane? I was gonna say Hydro Thunder Hurricane hits some of the same notes, not right. quite, not quite the same, but yeah, it, it's as close as I'm going to get to a spiritual successor. And to the thing is, Hydro Thunder Hurricane is already still almost 20 years old. So I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Whoops. I, I don't know. I guess people just don't like racing on water nowadays. Um, Bushido Blade is. A very very unique fighting game. It's from Square Enix, not Square Enix, just Square. It's from SquareSoft, and it was a one-hit kill game. Like it was your your samurai and you're fighting, and you could get it. Like basically, it was one-hit kills. I, I don't even know if you could. I think no, you could injure people in that. Like you could take out their arm, so then they couldn't use their, that arm the rest of the match. Or you could take out their foot, and if you took out both feet, they're like crawling around on the ground calling around our gun it was like it was so different from every other fighting game where it's just a life bar this was it and like the stages are all these like you know bamboo forests and castles and stuff but plagued by the p- notorious playstation fog because they couldn't draw that far um but yeah i wanted to include that one resident evil 2 probably could have been one of my most memorables like going through the place going through the police station and like the jump scares in that game are unforgettable. I don't know if either of you played on Resident Evil 2 on the original nope. PlayStation. Not on the PlayStation. But, yeah. Well, or I guess it. Any, I, I I just don't want to mention a master a remaster because I don't know if they changed anything or not. But yeah, that and I think I did eventually beat it. That was one of those games where like I 
I just kept playing the opening over and over and over because um, the controls are kind of intentionally bad. So it, Tank controls. Yeah, it's never going to win gameplay controls for me. And hey, we got Mila Jovovich. Um, all right, Andrew, I did put Tony Hawk 2 in my Worthy of Discourse. So you get a hypothetical pride buck. But no. yeah, um, I'm so excited. Okay, here's your here's your last Switch <laughs> mention, Paul. But like, um, no, but they 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 remastered Tony Hawk One and Two for the current generations of consoles. Yep. But it's not out for Switch yet. Um, but I I already told my son when this game comes out, we're getting this game because <laughs> I want to re- I, I, I want to revisit this game, even if it's not gonna be as good as I remember it. But it's apparently a really good remaster, so you should be fine. That and I think it has the original songs in it, even. Yep. Yeah. At least most of them. I don't know if it has everything, but it has almost all of them at least. But talking about playing games in college, this is one of those games where not one of you two, but another another friend, he and I stayed up like all night into the next day. Like I we played this game and then like we I don't we slept the, the entire day and woke up to go see like Phantom Medicine Princess Bride at the the student forum or like that. Like but like we we barely woke up in time to see that, and I was like at seven o'clock in the evening or something like that because we had stayed up and just played through the entire morning and everything. Play just grind. It's not grinding. What is it called? The rails. On the, on the rails is grinding. It is grinding. Okay, yeah, grinding yeah. through that game, but just like it's so fun. Yeah, that's why I made it my pick for you as my secondary. I knew I, it was on there somewhere, but I guess not good enough. Not yeah, not, apparently not good enough. Not not even for best music. Quake and, got best music. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, Tony Hawk 2, that's such good... Yeah. I mean, he didn't too, even too have late. Doom or can't, Doom can't 2 do do anywhere near his worthy discourse, apparently. Well... Not even for best story? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Best story. You go to hell! <laughs> um, my last worthy discourse... Too late, discourse, I'm already there. My last... Yeah, all, all my PC games probably could have been worthy discourse, because I only played... And this isn't trying to trump up my PC gaming. I only knew about the quote-unquote classics of the, of the genre. My one claim to fame, though, is my last worthy of discourse, which, because most people learned about the series with number three on PlayStation 2. And I'm going back to one <laughs> with the first Grand Theft Auto game. Because I, I, played, I played the original Grand Theft Auto. Before and like, it was bef- cool. Here's my hipster move. Like, bef- yeah. before it was cool, before anyone knew what the hell this game was. And I'm like, oh, you can <laughs> run over these people and, like, get to these get to these cars and get out and like shoot rocket launchers and the cops are you after me. Oh my God. Before and, like, you can cool. change the radio. You can, yeah. I don't think you can do that in the first one, but you can, you can change the radio station. And it's like, but it, yeah, that game was uh, revelations, probably too strong of a word for the first, first Grand Theft Auto. I think you do have to reserve that maybe for Grand Theft Auto two, but, or for Grand Theft Auto three, sorry. Grand Theft Auto two was basically Grand Theft Auto one with better graphics. Yeah, but, I can't remember if I played Grand Theft Auto 1 or 2, but they I do remember them being basically the same and just better graphics. But yeah, they were pretty interesting changes to where things were in games. And kind of piggybacking off of Doom there, where it's like, okay, hyper-violence is okay. We're gonna, this is something we're going to embrace in some of our games. Yeah, or like, wasn't a game I really played, although I watched some friends play, like Carmageddon, where like, this, the stuff you could pull off in that game, it's like, wow... I guess I'm glad I'm at my friend's house because I don't know if my parents would let me play this on the game or not. Like, you can, like, pinwheel a corpse on your front fender and everything, but, like, it's all in good fun. Um, but, yeah, and, but, yeah, Civilization 2, Mech Warrior 2, and then I guess... Oh, I'll wow, toss... Mech Warrior 2. Yeah, that was great. Yeah. Shit, like, man, that, that's that, memories. Yeah. I broke like, the were, stock market in that game. There was a, and there was an expansion, like, Ghost Protocol or whatever like that, but, like, I was so in, I still, I still have my box for Battletech. 
that's one of the few holdovers from my RPG days, is I will not get rid of that original box of Battletech 2nd Edition over there. Um, I, I, I just need to highlight for a second that I t- we're yep. talking about MechWarrior, and I say I broke the stock market in it, right? I mean, that <laughs> ge- why is that the thing that I remember about that game? <laughs> I don't know, but it is. So <laughs> Because Mule. <laughs> so um, I, I heard you say Civilization 2. Yeah, Civilization 2, and, and then just the last game I'll throw out there. We don't even talk about it. It's okay. missed. So, oh, so yeah, I, was, missed. I was this close to saying you guys are completely worthless because you didn't touch on any of my Worthy of Discourses, nor did you even like come close to mentioning any of the games that I picked for you. So whatever. But you 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 went and totally redeemed yourself at the end, Travis. So thank you. Yeah. I just totally redeemed myself. Stupider. You went and totally redeemed yourself. So, Civilization 2. I cannot believe that Civilization 2, it took so long for us to mention Civilization 2. That, to me... Because I mentioned no. Civilization 1 last one generation, and it was a better Two, game. Oh my god. It's such Factually an improvement wrong. over 1, and it was the origin <laughs> of the just one more turn phenomenon for me. Like, I can't tell you how many times I stayed up. I, I'm so glad you added that qualifier there because that, that that for me is so so I mean, important. And for everybody who has any taste in games, <laughs> is the, the origin of the just one more turn. Like I spent so much time playing that game, and the really the only I, I'm I'm still shocked that it it couldn't fit anywhere on my list. My two defenses for that is one, it doesn't really have good music or a good story. Not terribly memorable. Yeah, there's yeah, no story. It, there's a, we, we picked categories that didn't really fit Civilization all that well. There's, I, was, I don't even think it wasn't uh, multiplayer. Right? It so may not have been. So I, I think Civ 3 might have been, or Civ 4 even. And, might and that kind of leads into my other thing is that, uh, rightly or wrongly, I think Civilization 2 is a little bit harmed by the fact that it has so many sequels. And sequels that I think in many ways surpass it, and that I may even enjoy more um than civilization 2 uh even though civilization 2 was such a giant in in nostalgic terms and in terms of being you know so much better than civilization 1 as we've all agreed with um but anyway that's that's civilization 2 i don't want to talk about too much um how many other worthy discourses do i get how many do i have to cut it down to three i think i had i ended up with like six or seven and travis feels like he had more than that so you're you're good to go for at least six I had like seven. I had. I had like. God. I thought seven, we. I thought ten. we were shifting yeah, ourselves at three here. What the hell? Okay. <laughs> we're supposed to be at five. Okay. We're well, supposed to be at five. Long <laughs> so I'll try and make this quick. Uh, Duke Nukem 3D. Oh my God! How canceled would that guy yep. be right now if if he came out right now? But um, I, yeah. well, I think he's canceled already, despite the Fair fact enough. that he came out in the 90s. I so it doesn't game. change anything. things. No. Go ahead, Jazz. No other game can you hold the dollar <laughs> yeah. bill up I mean, to the strip. Such a great game, especially for, I mean, I'm sure part of that is probably the time that I was playing it where I was an immature teenager and just like, oh, this is kind of cool. Like strip clubs and blowing up, you know, aliens and blood and guts everywhere. But yeah, you could pee the toilet. Wow. Um, But I also spent a lot of time using actually the build engine. And that was like the first time I actually like would felt like I could actually almost make my own game and, and I made a bunch of levels and it was a really fun experience and I had a lot of fun um, playing multiplayer with, with a lot of friends so that definitely needed an opt it also no, yeah. I know you're trying to rush but it also earned its 3D yeah. moniker right like as as revolutionary as Doom 2 was they were it was all one level or not necessarily levels but like do I remember Duke Nukem with 3D was like claim to fame was like we have one hallway 
and another hallway crossing yeah. underneath the, it. There were some tricks <laughs> that wasn't like... to pull that off because the engine was kind of limited. But yes, you could you, you could actually do stuff like that, which was, uh, yeah, a little bit revolutionary. Um, along those same lines, Shadow Warrior, exact same concept. So horribly yep. offensive. Wouldn't survive at all now, um, but still a lot of fun. Because you, you can play soccer yeah. with the decapitated um, heads. Eh. <laughs> I've not even Warrior? heard of this one, I don't think. Uh, you, yeah, it's the first I'm not surprised. Shooter. I think only you and I play. I think you and I only. I think only you and I play yeah, Shadow. Probably. <laughs> um, you mentioned Mist. Uh, needs a shout out because it was uh, like the best selling game of all time for a while. Uh, and Worms Two, Worms Two, I think is one of the most underrated multiplayer yeah. games, yeah. and I, I give long consideration to putting it for most fun with friends because. I don't think I've ever played a game of Worms 2 where I haven't left with a smile on my face at the end. It's just, it's so fun. There's so many, it's the exact same concept. There's just enough skill where you, you, you feel good about winning, but there's enough luck that you can just laugh at yourself for the, the ridiculous ways that you died because the super banana bomb didn't bounce your way, or you just happened to hit a mine and, and, it, and, and or hit five or six mines in a row and blew yourself to, to kingdom come. Or the damn sheep you, hit a pixel yeah. and bounced back at you. You just missed the <laughs> double jump, and you, you're, you're all of a sudden you you take one point of damage from the fall, and then this ends your turn in the worst possible way, and then yeah. all of the chaos happens. Yes, it is exactly. chaotic fun. I think it, I think it helps to it helps to teach you also like games just can yeah. sometimes be silly mm-hmm. fun. Like 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 you said, like don't worry about winning. Like you're exactly. having fun. It's nice to win. You want to try to win. But if you lose, and you still had fun along the way. It's important to tell the funny right. story. Like, do you remember that time when you threw the sheep and it turned around and it just, the t- clock ran out right as it hit your face? That was good times. Um, <laughs> and, and the last one is Fallout, just because um, I could talk about it a lot. But it was, hmm. it's, it's it, historically, I think it's important. It's, it, it was a fun post-apocalyptic RPG. They're still making sequels now. You, huh. you got like the the Pip Boy three thousand or whatever. <laughs> Well, okay. Sequels. Yeah. Um, uh, but, but, you know, even stuff like the Vault Dwellers and, um, you know, there's there's a lot of, it was a lot of fun stuff and a lot of fun concepts there. And it felt like it was worth mention. And that is where I'm going to stop right there, even though I still have a huge long list. Fallout's one that I so wanted to get into and love, but I played it a couple of hours and just, I didn't want to <laughs> yeah. shoot any more rats. It, so I just it definitely playing. has some aspects of grinding that, are, that make it easy to fall out of love with, but... There are definitely parts of it, and and there's certainly times where you're like, I'm gonna shoot somebody point blank with my submachine gun and somehow miss him, but I'm gonna hit a guy like behind him, and all of a sudden the entire village is gonna start attacking me. Oh, that was that was not good. <laughs> so, yeah, there were some not fun aspects like that, but um, I don't know. That, that, I I enjoyed those. It was elements, funny the first time it happened, but got really annoying by the time you had to reload a couple times. <laughs> <laughs> you choose not to do that. You set oh. things up so that's not going to happen. You I, change I your strategy. It's <laughs> a machine gun all the time. Well, clearly. This is why I was able to beat you in Worms sometimes, yeah. unless I couldn't double jump. <laughs> I'll say it's it's also interesting you think about this is the generation where... Because um, play- Sony and Nintendo were supposed to work together. Right. This was the... It was the Nintendo PlayStation. Yeah. And, like, because of that... Sp- Split in or disagreement in business, or I forget what the details were of why they didn't N- work. Nintendo together. said, "It's yeah, we don't think this is going to work out. We're not going to invest in it." And so it's like, we still think it's good, so we're going to make it anyway. So thanks to that little business disagreement, we got these two systems, and the rest is history. Yeah, we have the specter of Microsoft in our next generation. Isn't the next generation when the Xbox gets introduced? With next generation gi- is Xbox. Gigantic controllers, 
we got. We'll talk <laughs> next time about Generation Six, which will be the Xbox, the Dreamcast, the PlayStation Two, and most importantly, and the, the PC games from 1999 to 2005. Andrew. Okay. Yes, as well as anything yes. in the arcades in that time period. All right. Well, thank you all for listening to our slightly longer than usual episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Yeah, jam packed with packs. lots of goodness. Um, check us out at rampantdiscourse.com at discord.io slash rampantdiscourse. On Twitter at rampantdisc. Uh, Facebook page, facebook.com slash rampantdiscourse. Am I missing any guys? Thank you all for joining me, and uh, hopefully you'll tune in next time. Can't stop the discourse.